the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Welcome to the Free Indeed Podcast, where we believe in freedom, reaching everyone, everywhere. Here's your host, Mike Hansen. All right, welcome to episode 37, 37, 37 of the Free Indeed Podcast. Now, I want people to consider what happened with the last episode. I did this on purpose, and it actually worked out really cool the way I had sure our did. audio. Yeah, sure I you tried did. to do it on purpose. Sure you did. Go back and look at episode 36 and notice how long the episode is. Mm, pretty genius. Pretty genius. So 36 Brilliant. and something seconds. 36 Brilliant. minutes and something seconds. So anyway, I, I was pretty proud of myself that I did that. And so uh, what we're going to do is take a little break once again from the six Vs. We still have three, uh, I believe, left to go. No, we've done four, so we have we have two left to go, I believe. Two Vs. Two Vs left to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm eating animal crackers, by the way. You go right ahead. Right. You can crunch on them all you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me just give a preview of the six Vs coming up here. And if you don't have Kirk's book, I'm telling you, you can go get it right out of his book. But uh, we, get get the, we get the more in-depth as we talk about it. So, yeah, we have the next one coming up is Vacation. And the last one, which is huge, we might even have to break this in a couple episodes, is Validation. Man, that's a big big one. That's a big one. Validation's Um, big. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we might have to spend a little more time on that, too, um, and we'll see how that goes. But those are the last two that we'll do on the six Vs. But we're going to take at least one episode break right now um, because I I thought up an amazing question, Kurt. Oh, and I don't know what it is. I never know. Once again, the format that we've had in the past... Uh, as we don't know what it is, and he doesn't know what it's going to be. I don't be. know what it is. You he do. doesn't. I do. Uh, but I think you're going to have a lot to say about this. Um, it's going to take a little bit of imagination. It's going to take a little bit of uh, thought. Right, Hope you're these. you're up there, up to it. Okay. So let me ask you. I guess it's going to be two questions, but the, the the title of the episode will be that that second one. Tell me the first time your age when you were first exposed to um, that VHS tape. How old I was you? nine. Okay, that's what I thought. All right, pause. What would you tell nine-year-old Kirk? Oh, man. Oh, man. Wow. Um, man, on so many levels. Man, uh, wow. Um, man, that's a good question. What would I tell nine-year-old Kirk? Oh, man. First of all, I would tell him I love him. Um, and I would tell him that... Um, a lot of things that he thought was his fault wasn't his fault. And a lot of things that um, he's going to experience pretty soon is not his fault. There are a lot of things that he's going to experience and even do in the future that whether they're considered his fault or not, they are his responsibility. Um and uh but but first and foremost i would tell him i love him i mean i would i would tell him that you know i would tell him that um i'm still living trying to help him um i'm still you know i'm still trying to um rectify a lot of things that that he went through that that happened um but there are so many things that that he thought or if we go in present tense there's so many things that he thinks that are his fault that he did that he could have controlled or that he could have kept from happening that he couldn't and um hindsight being 2020 uh, i think it would be important for him to to know that 
because at at nine he feels pretty uh pretty lonely, pretty isolated, pretty cut off, pretty um hated, he feels cursed, he feels uh like a victim um well, he was a victim um and uh man he he feels like for some reason the world and God hates him um he wonders why nobody is coming for him he he wonders why he's been begging and asking and praying and hoping and believing and wishing that somebody would help him, but nobody ever did. And so he feels pretty unlovable, um, as a result. And so, yeah, if I had to, if I had to say a word to him, it would be just that, you know, I love you and, and it's not your fault what's happening right now. Um, and Oh, by the way, speaking of that day specifically, when that was introduced into my life, like, dude, I mean, that, I, 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 I don't know. There's no way. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have enough. Um, he didn't have enough, I'll say protection or covering or anything like that to, to be able to see the bigger picture of what was happening or what was about to happen or that mental explosion, that neurological explosion that happened in his brain and how that would impact him, affect him for the rest of his life. Um, you know, but there's a lot of things that that were a curse back then that really, you know, brought him to where he is or where he will be in thirty something years, at least up to this day, and probably you know for the rest of his life. And so, um, you know, he he's broken, but he's not defeated. Um, he's pressed, but not crushed. He's persecuted, but not abandoned. He's struck down, but not destroyed. He's blessed beyond the curse, <clears throat> and God's promises will endure. <clears throat> so that little boy is still is still in there. Mm-hmm. Uh that's part of the reason why I wanted to go here was mm-hmm. uh, I know you have a burden to talk about you know that little boy that us men bring into our adult lives. Mm-hmm. And you're a little boy, the the little Kirk at 9 years old who mm-hmm. soon became a, a an adolescent and a teenager and a young man. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> he had this coping mechanism that helped him through the, the pain that was difficult for him to go through. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember my first exposure was eight, nine years old, but it wasn't VHS. It was, um, VHS showed up when I was about 12. Mine was a bunch of magazines on the floor of a room, um, that my dad, I'm pretty sure had, I'm, I was at his apartment. So they, they were his. And so that was the same, some of the same feeling of, I want more of this. And, you know, that the huge tension and growth that happens at the same time where you become a boy into a very young man. And, um, you know, we're, what we're bringing into adulthood is part of where I want to go here. You know, who are you and what little boy is, uh, do we have inside of us still that needs to be addressed? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I started with that question. Why would you, what would you tell that, that nine-year-old Kirk and with the with in mind the the man who may have this conversation with his younger self, and then for all intents and purposes, you know, we as dads have conversations with our sons who are still that same age yeah. or at that same age. So yeah. I just wanted to kind of explore that with you about that 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 little boy and that journey that little boy has been on, um, and how can we as men address that in our lives as yeah. well? I, I, it's my belief that you'd be hard pressed not to find a guy 
and I'm going to say it just, I'm going to say it another way. Pretty much every guy has a wounded boy inside of him in some way, shape, or form. I mean, there's a wounded boy inside of every man. And, you know, the degree to which that man is in touch with that wounded boy impacts how that wounded boy appears in his life. And, and for a lot of guys, that wounded boy makes most of the decisions and most of the choices. And that's why we see the world and the state of masculinity in, in the way that it is, that we have a lot of 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 year old men that are really eight or nine year old boys making decisions for grown up lives and families pay the price. Wives pay the price. Um, society pays the price. But that's because we're out of touch with that wounded boy and we we haven't gotten to that place where we're connected with that wounded boy. And, I, you know, I've been in therapy counseling uh, for some time and I still, you know, I, that's still a part of my life. And through personal growth and development, just realizing and, and learning that, you know, trauma, un, especially if it is in the form of trauma, trauma unresolved doesn't go away. It just resides in a deeper part of our subconscious and a deeper, deeper part of our brain and our emotions and our psyche. And it surfaces in different times if something triggers it or, or just whatever. And so, you know, if we don't deal with some of those things that happen to us when we're young, they're going to perpetually affect and impact, have an, have an effect in our life. Um, and so to be able to get in touch with that, that, that wounded boy inside of us, first of all, to recognize, yeah, I do have a wounded boy inside of us and what that wound is and to be able to articulate that. Um, if we can't do that, then, then we will continue to operate out of that. And we have probably a generation, at least maybe even two generations of men that grew up without a male figure, a primary male figure in their life in terms of the formative years of their life. And, you know, a lot of us were raised by women and it takes a man to make a man. And so if you're raised primarily by a woman or around femininity, you know, but then one day you find yourself as a man, a husband and a father and you realize, well, I don't even know what a man, a husband and a father is. Yeah. You never saw it worked out the way it should have been. Never saw it. Nobody explained it. Oh, oh by the way, when I did see some types of education, it was in the form of something artificial, something that it shouldn't be. And, you know, when a young man gets his his sexual education from pornography, then his baseline for his sexuality is the consumption and objectification of, of, of a woman, of femininity. And and that's never going to be healthy in any kind of way. <clears throat> so when you take that foundation, you know, and, and anybody that's, you know, I mean, it's not a far stretch to, to understand that if the foundation is is off, the entire construction job, the site, the building is going to be off. Um, and it gets the, the, the deviation gets bigger, the further you get away from the foundation. So if my foundation is off by, you know, a couple of degrees in terms of being level, then, you know, by the time the building gets to be 30, 40, 50 stories tall, you know, that could be off by feet, um, and in terms of where it should be. And so as we build these lives, we build these lives, crooked we build these lives a little bit off skewed because of just the foundation was off and so um and so yeah just being in touch with that that brokenness being in touch with that 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 boy inside of us is is huge and then to heal him and then to and then getting to the point where we be we say okay it takes a man to make a man even if i don't 
know what a man is, then maybe I need to get into community with other men. And, you know, we can be broken together. There's no, I mean, that, that's, that's okay. You can still multiply fractions as long as you get that denominator the same. I mean, I know that's pretty mathematical for a lot of people. Give me some schooling school, on that one. <laughs> you know, get, a, get, get your common denominator and you can multiply fractions um, and get some wholeness out of that. So, so anyhow, yeah, I mean, I think it's important for us to understand that we do have a wounded boy inside of us and go back to that place. And we try to normally we try to medicate or protect or deny that wound. <clears throat> and, you know, how we handle that wound is important because that's what manifests in our life. When you medicate it with something like drugs or a habit or a pornography or something like that, then, you know, then you're never going to deal with that thing and you're never going to then you just become addicted to the medication and it has nothing to do with the wound at that point. You actually create new wounds. So, yeah, that's the lifetime kind of cycle that happens, um, with all the multiple different cycles of the, as you know, we, I don't know that we've gone into a ton of depth on the podcast on the cycles. Um, in your class, for sure, you spend a lot of time with the cycles, um, because it starts with the pain. You want to get rid of the pain. Nobody wants to stay in pain. Um, how do you get rid of it? And, and where do you go to get rid of it? Um, and so what have been the, if you've been kind of starting the process, it sounds like you've more recently started the process of talking to, or not talking to so much, but, you know, just addressing what's going on with that little, little boy Kirk in there. Um, you know, what have you learned and, uh, what's been able to help you as you look back over supposed decisions that you've made and, you know, as you've been an adult as a, you've been in, in marriages and you know, being father, I mean, has there you know been some things that you've learned even just recently about how you were or what could you do? Yeah, I've learned. I mean, I have and am, and I'm sure will continue to learn just a ton about all that stuff. And I, you know, I think my first learning was everything I just said in terms of man, that wounded boy inside of me has been controlling my life for most of my life. Um, and, and, you know, that wounded boy has ruined other lives. I mean, has ruined marriages and, and all those kinds of things. And so the first lesson was awareness. I mean, that's that, you know, that, that's, that's kind of the foundation for change in any kind of way is awareness. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, I learned that for sure. Um, you know, I, I definitely learned what I, at least that I can see what I don't have, um, or what I never got, um, but to be able to take that to the next level, you know, I'm actually I'm actually coming to the phase now where I am actively deciding. And, and as I have opportunities in the future to even tell my story, I get pretty transparent with my story, pretty vulnerable with my story. Um, I mean, even to the point of of, you know, saying even, you know, from stage that, you know, here recently and, and I, it's in the book. I say it kind of lightly and you have to kind of read into it to hear what I'm saying. But. I lost my virginity through rape, you know, and, and to have that story and to have that kind of pain, but, I, but I want to get to the point now of owning that, owning my story going forward. And, and specifically in the context of when I tell the story and the way I tell the story about my father, um, I'm getting to the point now where I'm going to stop blaming him. I feel, I mean, when I've been telling my story, it's been from a blame perspective. If anything, I'm going to blame, and it's actually a concept that came from a Tony Robbins documentary, but I'm going to blame eloquently. You know, I'm going to, 
I'm going to blame him for good stuff as well as bad stuff. I mean, I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for him. I mean, right. I mean, and How so all came, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I, so I'm going to, you know, I'm getting to the point now and you know, it's such a common narrative for people to say, yeah, I didn't have a father in my life. And, and that's kind of the, and so many people have that story, but I don't want to allow that story to be the end of, I don't want that fact to be the end of my story. I did have a father in my life. It wasn't, I mean, it, it was a lot of horrendous and a lot of bad, but there were, you know, flashes of, of good. There were some days of laughter and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and, um, you know, I mean, we benefited financially as a family because he was a hundred percent disabled Vietnam vet. So the wound that he got in Vietnam, you know, brought checks into the house. I mean, from, you know, from, from the VA, from the government. So, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, but you know, I'm really, I'm coming to the awareness point now where I'm going to stop blaming. I'm going to stop the uh, ending the story with the blame. I'm going to start, I mean, at that point going forward to acknowledge the fact that I'm not blaming him anymore, man. I'm, I'm at this point, I'm the same age as he was when he died. And in a couple months I will have outlived him. And so at some point, you know, what happened in my life or what happens going forward has nothing to do with him or very little to do with him and more so with me. And so I need to own that. And I need to, like I said, if I'm going to blame, I'm going to blame completely. I'm going to blame holistically. I'm going to blame for some good stuff. There have been people that have gotten healing and help in their life because of that wound that I have. I mean, and so, you know, God took my mess and made it a message. And now I get to, you know, I get to take that message on and do some good with it. So, um, had I had a perfect life, you know, I, there wouldn't be people, there wouldn't be people going to heaven if I, if I had had a perfect life at this point, which is pretty cool. <clears throat> That's God working. If I ever saw it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So, um, going back to the, to the little boy again here. Now this is metaphorically. Does the little boy, as you're as you're kind of working with him if in that sense, does, is he putting up any kind of fight? Is he complaining? Is he is he trying to push back at all? No, but he is asking to be loved. He he's asking questions of, "Am I loved? I mean, am I lovable? You know, can you know can anybody love me? I mean, he he's looking for love at this point, and you know, and at this point in life, you know that can be painful, <laughs> you know, because I mean, if I've acted through the course of my life in some really bad ways, dysfunctionally out of that boy, that boy can also be so desperate for love that, you know, that he's not completely as cautious as he should be in terms of the area of love or looking for love. And, and, and what I mean by that specifically is, affirmation from other people or even validation, not even affirmation, validation from other people. You talked about that last V validation from other people. That is that little boy. He just wants to be loved so bad that he's very, it's very easy for him to seek validation from people and, and to, to want that and to, to have good or bad days defined by validation from people. And so, um, and so, yeah, nowadays, you know, nowadays the, the dynamic back and forward is is for me to learn to love him the way he needs to be loved. And for me to 
find ways or figure out how to how to how to love him i mean and to to get him validation in the good ways validation from inside not validation from outside okay have has he um has he grown up to be able to learn about how to how to love others as well yeah, I think so. I mean, I think so. Man, this is really deep. This is like a therapy session here, man. Am I going to have to pay you when I'm done with this? Um, I hope not because I don't have no money. Um, anyhow, um, no, no, not no, on me. Good. Uh, but uh, do you take insurance? You take Cigna? Um, but, uh, you know, um, I think he does know how to love. Our, he knows he has the uh, complete desire to love the way he's always wanted to be loved or the way he the way he knows or believes that love should look i mean he has that capacity this is the first time in my life i've had the capacity to be in a committed relationship i mean you know again i'm 45 46 years old just turned 46 uh you know month or two ago and first in my time in my life where i have the capacity to just be in a relationship and not be you know, eyes elsewhere or, or heart elsewhere or anything like that, being present in the, in the context of a relationship. So, um, <clears throat> so there, it's still a journey. It's still a growth process. Um, but you know, but in terms of how to love, yes, but you know, one of the things that I'm learning is attachment styles. I haven't, what's called an insecure attachment style. You know, mine is specifically called, you know, um, uh, anxious preoccupied where I have a tendency to, to lean in and, and almost even to a dysfunctional level, I can latch on if I don't be careful and I can, it can be kind of pre dysfunctional in terms of dependent on somebody else. And like, I just want to, if, if I can just pour more and more love into a person, then somehow I'll get love back. And sometimes it can be a transaction and it, it can, it can present in kind of different ways, but um, so again, even the outward manifestation of that, it comes from a good place, you know, and it, right. I mean, but at the same time, he, that's not necessarily healthy. And so, yeah, he, he wants to love, he knows how to love and, and that, but he needs to know how to love well, the same way with blaming. He knows how to, he needs to learn how to love well and in a balanced way. All right. So th the little boy is, is still in there and you're learning how to, um, how to, to not let him make the decisions for you. Is that, is that, uh, something where you able to like, were you able to like turn a corner and say, no, no, you're not going to have control anymore. Or is it a, more of a process of, you know, I'm going to take this from you cause you don't need it anymore. <laughs> you know, it's, is it a pro process? I got a feeling, I got a feeling it's kind of, uh, I got a feeling it's, it's, it's kind of like raising a son where you almost have to teach him how to be a man. You have to teach him how to love, teach him how to have balance, teach him how to all those kinds of things where it's not even so much go sit down and shut up. That's not good parenting. Um, sometimes, yeah, you have to say go sit down and shut up um, because I said so. Right. I mean, the, to me, as far as being a dad, that's a viable answer <laughs> sometimes because right. I said so. Um but um, but in terms of what that process, it's a maturity process, and maturity, ma you know, that maturity process is a journey. But I think the molding of that is kind of like that potter in the clay, where you just form it, you fold it, and and um, 
and you shape it into what you want it to be or what it should be. And, and so, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that is not so much just about telling him what to do and not to do or should do and shouldn't do, but, but also, um, just, you know, with love, with strength, wisdom, gentleness, and mercy, kind of like my, my mission statement, you know, just kind of, guiding and and that sort of thing but it's an internal process and and it's internal process but it comes with external help it comes with you know investing in that time and money and effort and emotions and you know i'm 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 getting comfortable with you know some days i just got to let him cry literally some days i just got to let him just cry just you know just get it out throw a temper tantrum and some days I just got to let him play. Some days, you know, last night I'm sitting in bed eating animal crackers and Nutella. <laughs> I mean, sounds like, you know, it's, I mean, it's pretty simple. And it's like, here, here here's a snack, you know what I mean? Right. And just, you know, you know, and just all those couple nights ago, just taking a bath and just kind of, you know, taking a bubble bath kind of thing and just stuff like that. Just, you know, loving him where he is, but loving him too much to leave him there. Um, is kind of the journey that I, I think at this point, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm still on the journey. I'm not fully evolved yet, but, but that's kind of where I'm at okay. in, in that process. I guess one last question around this would be, and I, you probably have spoken to this already, but I guess I'm using different wording here, but how, tell me how to, how can we redeem, how does this young boy get redeemed? Um, self-care and self-love. I mean, I think, I, I think you have to be able to love the person in the mirror first before you can love anybody outside of that mirror. Um, and and I think that comes through self care and and love and le- learning to love yourself, learning to take care of yourself, and learning to um, love your good and your bad. To love, you know. Love the dark wolf and the light wolf. You know, love all that kind of stuff. Braveheart was a love story. Oh, yeah. The whole premise to the movie was a love story. Right. All of that, all of the killing was because of a woman that got killed. Was because of this man's love for for a woman. Yep. I mean, and then it ended up being love. I mean, and so, you know, that, that warrior inside of us is still a lover. I mean, and and so, you know, you got to love the warrior and love the lover. And accept both of those as part of who you are and be able to nurture all of those sides of us and to be able to grow and develop all those sides. But a lot of it starts with self-care and, you know, grownups, I'm sure women are in the same boat, but for sure guys, you know, a lot of guys aren't really that great with self-care. I mean, what that looks like and what that takes, you know, what, what that takes. And some of it takes talking. Some of that takes getting into doctor's offices, getting into counseling offices, getting into churches, you know, getting into groups of other men and, and, you know, and getting in touch with all that kind of stuff, getting in touch with all the feelings and all the experiences that we have. But, and we have to be intentional about that kind of stuff, getting in relationship with other guys. I think one sign of emotional maturity in a man is his ability to have non-sexual intimacy with other men. Oh yeah. I mean, there's power, there's power in that. If a guy is able to have non-sexual intimacy with, I don't care about his sexual orientation or his preferences and that kind of stuff. But if he's able to have non-sexual intimacy with another guy, I'm talking about being able to open up, live life with another guy, share things that are, 
you know, that are uncomfortable or embarrassing or whatever you want to call it, but share life with a guy um, where it it's absent of sexuality. I think that's a sign of emotional masculine maturity. Um, and so the more we can get to that point, the better. Sure. And it, it does come back down to uh, some of it does that intimacy piece yes. in terms of um, being intimate with who we are as men, but then allowing that intimacy to come across and vulnerability to come out yeah. and to be part of that whole thing when it comes to uh, sharing who we are. And I know that's some of the deepest places I am and where I go and what yeah. I need and want for my life. And um, in that strange twisted way that's what pornography would fill in for in my life um and it just was very superficial and never of course worked it was like that that crack yeah and a lot of people don't get that that the guy consuming porn is really looking for the deepest form of intimacy he's ever had because for i mean so if you take that back a, a little bit a guy is sharing with the ip mistress going back to the character in the book He's sharing with the IP mistress his deepest, darkest sexual desires, stuff that he wouldn't tell anybody else that kind of piques his interest sexually. And and she readily accepts that. She never rejects him. Um, you know, she says, yes. I mean, all of those kinds of things. And so, you know, he, he's safe with her in his sexuality. And if a, if a man can be safe with you with his sexuality, he's safe with you in every part of his ality. Um, and so he's, he's seeking that level of intimacy, that level of non-judgment, that level of openness. It's in a, I mean, he's finding it in an artificial source and it's ultimately gonna, you know, tear him down. It's obviously going to make him less than he was when he began because nothing artificial is, um, is, is as profound as the natural thing. Um, but ultimately, guy consuming porn is looking for true intimacy. He's not finding it there, but that's what he's looking for. Um, and ultimately, it ends up with him living alone, like most addictions. You know, most addictions take you to a lonely place in some way. Um, but so, yeah, so that guy is actually looking for that. He's actually looking for a connection. And so when we can get off of the screen and into real life and when we can get into get off of the screen and into hearts, whether it be our heart or other people's hearts or just live out of our heart. If we live more out of our heart than our eyeballs, we'd be better off as a, as a male species. We live out of our eyeballs a lot. <clears throat> and, and, you know, I mean, what's manifested out of our hands either comes from our heart or our head, meaning our eyes. And so if we can manifest from our hands more out of our heart than our head, then the world will be a better place then the world will be an absolute better place because in our heart is our passions in our heart is our purpose. Um, and in, in our heart, and obviously I'm speaking metaphorically, not like the little muscle beating in your, in your chest. Um, but when we live out of that, then man, we're living for something big and, and the world can follow that. The world can respect that. The world can love that. And that's all we, you know, that's, we're all looking for that. We're all looking for, for love and acceptance. Yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking of the, the little boy who wants to live from the heart. And part of the wounding that happens is you can't live that way. You need Absolutely. to, you need to perform or, uh, you need to find your own way. 
Uh, and so that, you know, my wound is the wound of just my dad being out of my life. Um, and just not, not being active at all through my really important teenage years, adolescent and teenage years. And, you know, that, that wound speaks to, um, you know, to the, from, it's the little boy who, who wants the intimacy, but doesn't know how to get it. Hasn't seen it modeled. Hasn't seen how it's, how it should happen for real from another man, namely the dad, or it should be. So, um, I mean, that's part of this journey of making sure that little boy is taken care of and getting answers for him because he should not be running our lives. God should be for one thing. And then a man with God, not a boy with God should be running our lives. Yeah. And in the context of a real relationship, a boy can never love a woman the way a woman needs to be loved. And a woman, a, 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 a woman's heart, the capacity of a woman's heart is too much for a boy level of love. Right. She needs oh, yeah. a man to fill that space. Um, part of part of that 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 woman receiving place is is uh, is the man being able to fill that space, and a boy can never fill um, truly uh, a, a, a woman feminine level space. Um, and so, yeah, how many women are married to another son? <laughs> yeah, yeah, both. Uh, you know, yeah, on many different levels. Mm-hmm. So that's. Um, I just wanted to just explore that some, and uh, I hope it was helpful for guys out there to to kind of get a perspective from you know what it's really important for us to get that there is a little boy who who wants to be loved, who maybe or maybe not got that love, uh, and then trying to fill in that void of love in many different ways. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you tried filling that form. Uh, that love uh, void with uh, with a pornography problem or addiction. So um, we hope that, uh, you know, thinking about it, I hope you can consider spending some time, so to speak, with that little boy and just, okay, what is it about your boyhood that needs addressing? Um, going back a long time, as far back as you can go, usually think back to that first exposure to, to pornography. That's a uh, quote unquote great place to start mm-hmm. in terms of, the age and you know why was it appealing and all of that and why did it you know sink yeah. its hooks into your life yeah and, and, you know and, and one other thing i mean if 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 a guy grew up without a father figure in the home or an abusive father figure in the home then odds are the the mom in the home may have been emotionally unavailable because she was trying to be mother and father or because she was right. dealing with the abuse it or dealing the with capacity. the absence and all that kind of stuff. She was trying to cover both sides, offense and defense. Um, and so maybe, you know, the, he grew up with a, not only without a father, but raised by a mom who was emotionally unavailable. Well, you know, maybe that could lead to him being drawn to, as a man, emotionally unavailable women. I mean, and so, you know, maybe he could be looking for emotional availability in 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 places just because he never got that uh, my point is there are a lot of things that to your point that goes back to the boyhood experience that leads to the manhood experience but until we go back to that boyhood experience and begin to unpack that and some of that is professional help a lot of that is probably professional help being able to sit down and talk to somebody about that but talking to somebody about that is is definitely a great start and being able to connect with that and shoot i mean somebody can call us if you want and we can, you know, we we can, we can begin to have those conversations or point people in the right direction. Yeah. And just want to be clear that getting that kind of help doesn't mean that you're broken beyond repair. Not at all. 
um, that needs to be reinforced that there's, I wouldn't say there's no stigma because I can't control what all of society thinks when it comes to getting help. But at the same time, every single day, there's just so many other examples of people who did not get the help and they end up snapping. Um, and lives are ruined, lives are shattered, lives are ended, families are ruined. So that's what we're trying to prevent. You know, if you can take that time and energy to spend time looking back at the boyhood, at your young life, and trying to get that redemption out of it, um, it's worth the effort. Definitely worth the effort. You look like you got something else. I was just going to, I mean, it's brave to be vulnerable, man. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I, you know, I've been watching this Brene Brown stuff for the last couple of days on Netflix and reading her books and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, vulnerability is being brave. And, you know, Definitely. if you want brave heart, have a vulnerable heart. Ooh. Uh-oh. There we go. Uh-oh. William Wallace. Brave heart is a vulnerable heart. But they might not have sold as many or had as many people instead of brave heart, vulnerable heart. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right, right. Well, we appreciate you listening to our episode. Go to freeindeed36.com. To check out more, uh, you'll hear that, of course, at the end of our podcast as well. But uh, we really want to try to help you all out there and uh, subscribe to this podcast. I hope you can rate it as well. I hope it's been helpful for you um, and that uh, we can get some, some more help for these guys and, unfortunately, boys that are out there. Thanks for listening to the Free Indeed podcast. Visit freeindeed36.com for more resources with deeper information and upcoming events. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery.